This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking to Halos. This is Derek C. Apollo with John Crane with another edition of the show. Folks, I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be a stitched up show. A piece is knit together. We had to basically redo it because last night the Los Angeles Angels shut out the Seattle Mariners 13-0. Oh, and by the way, it was a no-hitter. John, you were there. You... Well, let's just say you were very happy at the end of that game. There was a lot of emotion to it. Briefly, because we're going to save your story for when we can actually have a full show, tell folks about what you experienced last night. Uh, a once-in-a-lifetime, uh, just incredible uh, memory. Um, I'm still flying high. I still can't believe. Um, you know, I mean, the emotions from the beginning – before the game even started, my wife was bawling. Um, but yeah, I said so we won't get into all the details. But you know, the pregame ceremony, all the way through the the amazing first inning where they batted around, and then and then what developed towards the end. And I, I it was hard to even realize it was going on for a while. Um, but I mean, if you could possibly, yeah, I, I'm, this is cliche, and I think I've seen it all over Twitter and everything else. You couldn't write this game this in in any movie this was just an amazing response to a absolutely horrific last few weeks and the team really i i grew a lot of respect for i mean more respect for this team um amazing this group probably won't make the playoffs but if you don't like this group of guys then there's something wrong with you. I, mean, I don't even know what else to say. They are a very, they're just good dudes. They're good, they're good dudes who obviously care about each other, care about the game. They're family-oriented across the board, and they showed it last night. Just to kind of give the numbers, it, it just kind of, it's a lot of weird things with it. And I saw more than one player 
including players from other teams, bring up the possibility of God. Um, saying if you don't believe in God after watching this game, you might need to reconsider things. I'm paraphrasing. The reason why people are saying that is the Angels scored... Well, let me back up. You saw it there. Everybody wore a 45 jersey with Skaggs' name on it. They wore his favorite jersey, the red jersey. They had a full tribute video for him that you recorded. They had cards, right? Yeah, they gave out cards. Um, Yes, when you came in, they gave out cards. Okay, they played his music. Game starts off with... Mike Trout wearing number 45 for number 45, hitting a 454-foot home run. At that point, did you start feeling something was going on? Oh, the first inning, to have them take off the table any chance that we were going to lose, and no, I never had any, any belief that we would lose that game after the first inning. Um, to have them take that off the table right off the bat. So now the fans, we're just on board. We're just... Where it's it was uh, the, that first inning batting all the way around the order, and uh, yeah, it was just it was true. And then you know, and Trout was what he had six RBIs last night. It was just uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm kind of speechless on the thing. But the first inning was amazing. Yes, the place was going crazy. Well, I mean, that's why we're going to wait on you a little bit. We're we're going to yeah. kind of just go through the numbers here. And sure. then next week, once I'm back from New York and we've had some time to breathe, and you've had some time to breathe because you were there, and you can have a little bit more of a deeper reflection than you can right now. We're going to get into your experience right now. We'll start with the numbers, though. The Angels scored seven runs that first inning. They scored 13 for the game. Mike Trapp pointed this out. His birthday is 7-13. They counted that significant as well. So the home run being 454, hit by a 45, honoring 45, 7-13. Uh, the Angels threw a combined no-hitter. 245s, because we're getting everybody's wearing the number, throw the no-hitter. The last time the Angels threw a combined no-hitter was on July 13, 1991. That was the day Tyler Skaggs was born. That's mind-blowing in itself. That's the day Tyler Skaggs is born, and that's... <laughs> what else do you say to that, man? Um, they go out to the... At the end of the game, they go out to... The, the mound. The mound. The mound. They laid their jerseys all on. They took their jerseys off and laid them all around the mound. And they left them there. And they left them there. And then another, uh, they also brought out a picture. It was a picture painted by a fan. Put it in the middle of the, uh, in the, on, the on the mound. And last night was the first time I got to see 45 painted on the, uh, on the, on the mound in live in person there. And there was, um, by the way, it's uh, just one probably a little more obscure note. This was the franchise's 11th no-hitter. Skaggs wore number 11 in high school. That number, that stat comes from CBS Sports. So there were a lot of a lot of things from last night that take you back to Tyler. His mom throws out a, the first pitch, by the way. Apparently she threw a strike. Strike. Um, to, yes, absolutely. To, she was a softball coach. Yeah. So, yeah. So she's not exactly an amateur walking onto the mound. But I, I'll just uh, reiterate what you said. I, and I posted on Twitter last night divine intervention. I, I believe it firmly. I believe it firmly. The things that went on last night, uh, that just doesn't happen by accident. 
if you are a religious person or not a religious person, that's up to you to decide. But that was definitely all over social media last night, the belief that there, if there is some kind of God, you may have just seen some evidence of it. We're going to save the rest of the story for next week. I'll be back and I'll be able to fully give you guys a podcast. I'm gonna, if there's anything out this week, it'll be be just something, to, just something to make sure that we are providing some content for you. But the angels. But next Sunday night, we'll get more deeper into the week that was. We'll get deeper into the no hitter. John hopefully will be able to fully reflect on. It. I don't think anybody can. If you watch this on TV, I think it's hard to reflect on. I'm st- I'm still struggling for words on it. And of course, I'm sure John, you've heard John on this call. I think it's just. You seem to be cracking up a little bit, honestly, John. You, you, you're not you, you, it all together. You, you saw the video last night? Yeah, yeah. We posted uh, me and my wife. Um, I, this is not, like I said, I don't want to save all this good stuff because this is kind of a baseball thing. Um, it's uh, into the seventh inning. I looked over at the bullpen, and there was nobody standing up. Uh, first, I mean, I was <laughs> just, and now I'm just looking at a baseball perspective, performance. It was just nice to see our bullpen inactive at the at the end of the seventh inning knowing that they this was game was going to be finished by um pena um again that was and just the thing taylor cole was in, was in triple a just a couple weeks ago and pena has been inconsistent all year he's basically the fifth starter rarely ever even starts a game he comes in in the second inning usually came in, in the third inning tonight and so he's almost always had an opener this year so if anybody throws this, these two guys are actually among the most unlikely on the entire staff to do this. And he pitched two innings. What's interesting Taylor, is Cole yeah, pitched Taylor two Cole. innings. That was that was out of the – in fact, the usher, the usher who I took a picture with last night, who I've, I don't know personally but have seen for years now, uh, you know, he was asking me, hold on, didn't, you know, how many pin, he didn't even realize that Cole had pitched two innings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw some, this is a site, I saw some skeptics last night talking about how, you know, gosh, if they hadn't gone with the opener, he could have had a no hitter. Um, Cole pitched two innings. So, I mean, you you can't, you can't, you can't say things like that. It's just, it, last well, night was can. perfect. You're there just was some dumb. Yeah, there's, that night was perfect. Last night was perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. So, I mean, just to kind of give you an idea of what it meant to me, I've seen quite a few Angels playoff visits. We've seen division titles. We've even seen a World Series. For me, as a, as a person who's watched this game, it ranks number two on the list for me, the World Series being one, and then last night being number two. And doesn't mean the other the divisional titles and the championship appearances and so on and so forth don't matter. It just means it was one of those games that was so much bigger than even the sport itself, and that's why it's up there for me. I it's oh because I was there and I've never seen a, a no hitter in person in my life. This has to, yeah, this was by, this is unquestionably. And then, I mean, heck, take away the no-hitter, and the night's probably going to be in my top two. Um, but as far as games actually witnessed, last night would have been my first, probably my first game that I was actually at that would it would be the best game that I've ever been at. Um, at the no-hitter, and that just, um, they played the clip of Spezio hitting the ball over the fence on game six of the World Series last night. That was, uh, you know, flashback, and I'd say that's right there. That's number two now. 
I'm going to say it, but I didn't get, I wasn't, I was what witnessed that on the TV. I wasn't actually at the game. But, uh, so um, that's one of my favorite moments is when Spezio hits that ball, just barely clears the fence and that the floodgates opened after that. Um, but no, I, I, I witnessed, I, not many people in this world get to say they witnessed a no hitter and it really snuck up on a lot of fans. So this we didn't even first, realize it. Yeah. Th- this is the first time in my life that I've ever seen a no-hitter from beginning to end every out. And it happened to be last night. I've gotten to, gotten to pieces of it, most of some. And like the last one, I think, was for Jeff Weaver. Not Jeff Weaver, sorry, Jerry Weaver in 2012. Yeah. Jerry Weaver threw one. I didn't see the whole game. This is the first time I was there from beginning to end. So there's, you know, personally, there's a whole bag of reasons as to why it was special. But, um, you know, it we means get to- a lot. You get those notifications on the phone that say, you know, so and so's. In fact, I got that notification at the game last night that they were entering the seventh inning or entering the eighth inning with a no hitter. And um, so I've turned on those because they usually cut live, like ESPN mm-hmm. will go to the game and stuff like that. I, I'm a, I, the game was on on uh, Fox Sports, where I prime ticket out here. I forget. I always get confused which one it's on, but. Um, yes, definitely. I agree with you on the same thing too. Beginning to end, yeah, first first time. So we're going to save the rest of that because we're going to want to go through as much of that as humanly possible with you next week. So start kind of processing this now, John. As for the rest of our show, it's all pre-recorded, and that is because uh, it was all, the whole show was pre-recorded until it was happened. So moving on, we do want to go ahead, before we talk to Jared Timms, we do want to ask you, hey, if you do like our show, if you've been listening from the beginning or just hopping on now, that's fine. We love you anyways. Check us out on Apple Music. Subscribe. We'd really appreciate especially a five-star review. It would help us move the charge. It would help us get a little bit of footing across you know, the, the podcast realm. And if you don't want to give us that five-star review, if you want us to earn it, that's great. Email us at talkinghandles.gmail.com. Leave us your feedback. We want to hear from you. We're not some podcast in the cloud. We, we want to hear from you. Let us know. You know. Also, do us a favor. If you like the show, text a fellow Angels fan or send them a phone call or whatever. Just let them know about us. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, So next up to bat is our conversation with Jared Timms about the farm system. And just to note, this took place before the game last night. Jared Timms was actually at the game. He went from the interview with me to the game. Here, check it out. Here's Jared Timms from Diamond Digest, covers the Angels. All right, folks, I am here with Jared Timms from Diamond Digest. He covers the Angels and their farm system for this wonderful outlet. Make sure you go check them out. And there's a lot of things for us to talk about, especially with all the moves that have happened in the last two weeks. First things first. So, Jared, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, good Friday night to be here. Well, good I guess Friday it's Friday. I don't know when this is coming out. <laughs> well, we're recording on Friday night, and of course, it's because I'm going to be on a trip to New York City, doing some teaching stuff, getting ready for uh, the new school year. And we we feel it's a great time to reach out to you, though, because we haven't had a farm update in a while. And with all the movement we're seeing to the big club, with all the things that have been going on, whether it be a concussion for Lacroix, to of course losing Tyler, things have had to move around a lot. So this is a good time to get a farm update. We have the Angels making some moves today especially, and we want to run through this really quick. What happened here today with the Angels is the first thing they did was they made a trade. 
They acquired left-handed pitcher Adam McCreary and catcher Josh Thole from the Dodgers in exchange for cash considerations. Uh, McCreary was optioned to Salt Lake. Thole was also assigned to Salt Lake. And to make room on the 40-man roster, Zach Cozart has been transferred to the 60-day DL that came from Angels PR a little bit earlier tonight. What happens after that? Well, since they sent Thole down, that also meant that the Angels... Well, they reactivated Kevin Smith. Zach Cozart's season is over, and Jonathan DeCroix is, is now on the seven-day concussion that uh, I, IL, and that goes back to seven nine. He has a concussion and a nose fracture. Okay, so Jared, a lot of stuff coming on on Friday. First game back. By the time you guys listen to this on Saturday, it'll all be settled. But let's kind of work through all this stuff, and we're going to talk more about the farm system after that. Jared, what do you think of the trade? You know, it's uh, it's something interesting. You know, it's a, uh, I, I guess, you know, re, uh, something that Epler likes to do with uh, some guys that um, McCreary's that was, I guess. I mean, he's twenty six, so a little bit old, I guess, to be considering him a real, you know, prospect. But he was, um, you know, a top thirty prospect, I believe, in most um, in most lists for the Dodgers, which you know is interesting, especially with the way that the um, Dodgers farm system looks that which is you know they, they're always pulling guys up you know left and right and you can you know make whatever trade you want for the Dodgers and they probably have the pieces to go get a player so um yeah you know it's he's probably you know definitely a little bit more of an interesting piece than um than Josh Toll but uh but yeah you know it's uh you know an, an interesting trade um to say the least and uh you know it's it's always good to pick somebody up especially via trade from a team like the Dodgers, who, like I said, are just so deep, you know, you just you just never know who you're going to get. It it could be a you know almost like a Kirby Yates situation when the Angels let him go um, because they didn't have room, and now he's an All Star for the uh, San Diego Padres. So I mean, just one of those things you never know. So why cash? I mean, what the Dodgers were looking for was trying to get get rid of him. They just had too much stuff going on the farm system. Just no players involved. Just cash. Yeah, you know that that's that's basically it. You know they they needed to make uh, some room for I think. I think I saw AJ Pollock was coming back tonight, and I I know Seager's if not back right around the corner for him because he was rehabbing with Pollock um, last week for Rancho, and uh, yeah, you know it's it's one of those things where they just needed to make some room for some of their star players to come back, and it, it, you know it, it happened to work out. I'm going to say well for the Angels because I think that you know we'll see one of these guys, if not both of them, down the stretch and um, contributing some way or another. Though you know I. I Looked up both of them. I don't think Toll is going to be a, an excellent hitter. He hasn't been in his career, but defensively, he'll he can uh, probably you know he, he holds his, he holds his own there. Um, he's never you know played a full 162 games, and I don't expect him to be a starter in any type of capacity at, at any level. But hey, you know he's he'll he'll contribute to the team, and you never know. Well, it's depth, and that's the Angels have done really good in the last couple of years of, at rebuilding organizational death. We've noticed that, especially as time went on over this year, suffering injuries. And here, here's Cesar Puello coming up and tearing it up for the team before they had to trade him for, I guess, a lot of the same reasons. They need to make room. They, I'm sure they wanted to keep him, but they, ha- they couldn't keep him. So they traded him for cash to Florida, to Miami. And now, same situation is here. I like that the Angels are adding depth because they definitely need it at a time where, man, our guys are just dropping like flies. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I hate to use this term for any type of, you know, athletes, but hey, one man's trash is another man's treasure, and, you know, that's that's the way it works in MLB, and it's, you know, depth is a huge thing, like you said, that's, 
that's exactly what the Angels have been doing, and that's what the Angels didn't have, you know, two, three years ago, and now they're getting it, and we're really seeing, uh, I, I guess you can say thrive, but uh, hey, if they can stay healthy, you know, that, that's that's a big key, too. That'll, that'll help them down the stretch. You you mentioned something about McCreary as well, and that was his spin rate. I, you've been really talking about some of the analytics and the spin rates and so on and so forth, and I see people giving you a little bit of a hard time on social media about it. Can you explain the importance of spin rate for a pitcher and why you make a make a relatively big deal out of it? Yeah, you know, it's 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 one of those things where it's you know it may not have worked out in the past and you know it might not work out in the future it could you know very well just be a meaningless number um but spin rate definitely it's supposed it's an it's almost like an optical illusion if you can spin the ball fast enough um and and i am no scientist in any way you know i just study baseball and i guess maybe a scientist of baseball in some sorts but (laughs) um but but yeah you know if you can spin the ball fast enough it's gonna look like the ball is doing things it's not actually doing to your eyes i mean i know that it, just in my college team alone we we have eye doctors come in once a month to ch- check not just check on our eyes but show us different ways that you know our eyes work and it, i mean some it, i'm sure 100 percent, this happens at the major league level it may be on a daily basis they probably do eye exercises and you know it, it, the eyes are such a big part of the game and I mean, Mike Trout's eyes are unbelievable. That's what makes him such a great player, um, and it, it's it's just such a huge part of the game. You know, it's, it's so much science that goes into it. I, I couldn't tell you everything. I just know that with a fastball, if it's spinning fast enough, it definitely makes it look like it's rising, and you can see it whether you're at the plate or even standing, you know, behind home plate. And I, I've played catch with some of my buddies, and even with them, you know, it. I've gotten hit in the shins so many times because I feel like I think a ball is gonna hit the ground and it stays shin length and i'm like oh good you know, it's it's crazy and it, there's nothing like some guys can spin the ball better and it has nothing to do with how good you are or anything like that it's just you know it's 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 just it's something that has to do with the eyes and affects the eyes and so it's it's crazy, you know. So much science goes into this game now. <laughs> so in the end, though, having a good spin rate on his pitches gives him an extra tool in his toolbox, really. Absolutely. I mean, we saw it. I mean, this is Billy Epler at his finest move because he's looking for any advantage he can get. And yeah, you know, his. I know Trevor Cahill hasn't been the best this year, and he'll be the first one to say that. But his spin rate is very sim on on his curveball is very similar to. Mc- McCreary's curveball spin rate so it you know if that's uh that's that's just an extra piece added to uh you know the the amount that is contributed by a player so well what's been wrong with Cahill this year let's you mentioned him and when you're talking spin rates it's probably not a really huge vote of confidence and trying to convince people this guy's a another the right guy to have for a new reliever when you say well he's he's his spin rates like Cahill's but what's really been the problem with Cahill this year why has he gone from a guy who well he was never great but he's been dependable inning eater kind of guy who would, who would keep you in ball games what's happened to him this year for me you know his numbers are I'd, I'd say, you know, slightly worse than what he normally starts. I mean, he's he was an okay starter everywhere. I really thought that he thrived out of the bullpen. And I said it, you know, ever since, you know, before he was in, in Chicago when he thrived. That I think he, he might have been an all-star that year for Chicago. I don't think so. Maybe not. But, uh, but yeah, I, I honestly, I think he, he thrives in a little bit better of a 
spot in in the bullpen you know that that's just my thought um you know and it, it could be you know he's not feeling in the right environments or you know he could be dealing with maybe a little injury or something or you know the elbow inflammation kind of I think that flared up and that could be you know a little bit of an issue you know not as much zip on his fastball it, it's, there's so many different things that go into you know what could have possibly gone on same thing with you know Matt Harvey you know the ever since his uh the uh, syndrome that he has I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I'm going to mess it up um he just hasn't been the same guy and it it just sucks but uh, but yeah you know for Cahill it, it could be anything you know just you could be dealing with a little injury um so many different things so to back up now the, the entire reason we brought you back was a farm report we, we, we kind of moved in a couple of different directions and I think that's kind of normal when you are looking at the second half of the season getting underway and all the things have happened. But let's look at this farm system right now. We're starting to see some of these young kids pick it up and, and make their moves and really start building some momentum. Player, Well, who are some of the players you are keeping your eye on right now in the minors who could possibly make it up the next year? Uh, no name, no no Angels farm um, system can you know go any farther than uh, two seconds without saying Joe Adele. Uh, I mean, this guy is going to be unbelievable. It's it's Friday, and he's already hit a home run today, um, which is opposite field home run, which is um, unbelievable. Uh, he he he's going to be the next big thing, you know. Uh, MLB or MLB Pipeline came out with their top uh, one hundred, and he's now number four, and he missed half the season. <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, I I think Adele's MLB ready now. I don't think they have a spot for him. You know, that's that's going to be the difficult part. Um, next year, he's going to in spring training. He's going to be given all the opportunities in the world to make the team. Hundred percent. There's if if he plays well, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's on the opening day roster as I, I believe a twenty year old. Um, which it would be the first time since I think Mike Trout to be yep. you know twenty years old. Make it right. I believe yep. so. So and he would actually spend less time in the minors than Mike Trout. So I mean, I'm not going to compare them. It's it's not a fair comparison, but. I mean, you're running through the system that quickly out of high school. There's something special. There's something special. Um, and then, you know, you got guys. I Let me take a step back. I really like to think with this system that there are different levels, I guess, that will come at you. Um, well, that will get brought up. We just saw the the first, you know, level of guys um, starting with, you know, David Fletcher, um, Griffin Canning, Jose Suarez, Luis Renifo, Ty Buttry. Um, and now, you know, we're not going to see too many guys get called up within the next year. And then next year, we're going to, in the next, you know, next level of guys, we'll have Adele, Marsh, um, Jemiah Jones, if, you know, he continues. Um, Matt Dice was part of this level. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the, that, that'll be the fun part. Next year, it, you know, it's just going to continue, I think, to get better and better until this system, until this team, um, you know, really is a, is a playoff caliber team. So, so you are really high on this farm system right now, judging by oh, I, talking. I, absolutely. I mean, I compared to you know, I mean, I I think I came in you know while looking at the Angels farm system at the perfect time, um, being one of the you know one of the worst farm systems ever. Now to a top, I think a top ten farm system um, in in baseball right now, and it's 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 really great to see it. And there's depth. There's there's so much that goes into this team. So it, it's 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 a lot of fun to see. How this team is really, or how this farm system and organization has really um, taken the next step into being a, you know, a really great organization again that we saw 
in the early thousand early 2000s to you know the 2010s era so i think i think it's a very close team um very close organization i i think that the fans have a lot to be excited about well here's my concerns with the farm system right now they brought up suarez this year king's not going back down i think we can agree on that and Berea's been up and down those are your probably your three main starting pitching prospects right now for a while the rest of these guys are are Way, way at the, the rookie or single-A level. Very few at double-A and triple-A we can really expect to make an impact. And I'm not sure yet, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm not certain that we have a guy who can become that number one starter down the line, at least right now. I'm, he- I'm hearing some good things about Kahanowitz and, and you know, their potential. So give me some information here because, again, I am I am not the expert. That's why I'm coming to you. Are there, is there anybody right now in the system that could you could see as a potential number one ace kind of guy? There's one guy I, I will say that I think, um, and I think that a lot of people will see this in the in the coming months um, as he gets healthy. He's not healthy right now. Chris Rodriguez is one of the most electrifying um, pitchers I'd say you know in the minor leagues right now um, when he. He's healthy, of course. He's had dealt with dealt with some, a couple back issues, but um, you know when he's healthy, he has you know his fastball is ninety, I believe ninety five to ninety eight. Um, put a you know just unbelievably good curveball, great good changeup that he has a little bit of work on, and a good great slider as well. So I think that Chris Rodriguez has the stuff to be you know a two guy for sure. If not, you know it could possibly be an ace. But you are totally one hundred percent correct. Um, with saying that the Angels really, you know, they don't have an ace and there's not really an ace in the hole. But I do like to look at, you know, I, I like to make examples, you know, the how the Cubs built their franchise with, you know, guys like Chris Bryant, Javi Baez. They brought in Anthony Rizzo. Those are all position players. You know, they didn't really uh, draft any starting pitchers just because it's so hard to, you know, pitchers get hurt. You know, it's, I, it's almost like running backs to me, you know, like new pitchers pop up every two, three years and are great, you know? So if you can go out, you know, if you can draft really well in the offensive side and maybe get lucky with, you know, Chris Rodriguez was a fourth rounder. Uh, Griffin Canning was a second rounder. And um, during those drafts, you got, you know, Joe Adele with the first overall pick. And I'd have to go back and check, but I believe you got Jemai Jones um, and Matt Thice in the um, in the Chris Rodriguez draft. So, yeah, you know, I, I like I said, I think this, this organization is very close. Um, and I think this offseason, you know, you could definitely go see the Angels spend a little money and get that ace that you're looking for. So I think if we're reading the tea leaves, and Lord knows who I can't read tea leaves, but I'm going to try, I think all evidence points to them going after that starting pitcher this year, at least one ace. I, th- I think they're going to go hard and, and throw a lot of money at somebody, come in there and be that guy while they hopefully can develop somebody else down the line. I think that's what the evidence is pointing to. The question is, are the Angels at this point really willing to open up that pocketbook and go deep? Because they had a shot at three different guys last offseason, and the offers weren't enough, apparently. Yeah, you know, we, they, they, they definitely weren't going after ace guys, though. You know, I mean, Patrick Corbin, yes, he's, he's pretty close to an ace. I wouldn't say, you know, he's an ace like I think Garrett Cole is an ace. You know, he's, he, he, Patrick Corbin's very good. I think who the hell else do they go after? Jay Happ, I believe. 
and yeah. you know kind of yeah. fell short there and there was one other guy got joe kelly i know they they missed out on him but i mean it's been a while so um but but yeah you know i, I definitely think they'll open up the pocketbooks and you know hey you have shohei otani coming back, back too and what made 12 starts and that was pretty pretty close to ace material there so uh any any rotation with uh you know shohei otani and garrett cole is or hopefully garrett cole is pretty solid to add on to in my opinion one of the better one of the best lineups in baseball with mike trout and everybody else i think that you know like like i said next year is could be really fun <laughs> i'm looking more towards i think the way this team is building we've been talking about a lot in the show the way it's building it looks like they're looking towards next year to make it a run at a playoff berth and then taking the next step in 2021 and so on. That was before we lost Tyler, and I don't want to get into the baseball impact of that, but it, you know, it's, it still stings. I just We're recording this on Friday night. The Angels are coming home tonight, and I don't even want to go there tonight. But there are those baseball things to think about. The, the Angels did take a ton of pitchers in this draft. 29, 28, most, and many got made in the sign. So... We know they're going to be working hard to develop pitching down the line, but does the gap of talent right now between the major league level and like single A concern you at all? Like, there's a, you know, they're, they're pulling up guys like Matt Tice and so on and so forth now, but there's very little in terms of potential major league talent available impact guys until you get down to basically the, the dudes who are 19, 20 years old in single A. Yeah, I mean, that could be an issue, though. I, I, I mean, triple A, you still have. Patrick Sandoval, um, like you said, Jaime Berea. They have some. They have some. You know, relievers there. Jose Rojas, who we haven't seen, who uh, Jared Walsh, who I think are very players. You know, not going to be huge, huge impact guys, but I think can you know make an impact at the at the major league level in some capacity. You go down to Double A, and you have you know the big three with Adele Marsh and Jones. Though Jones isn't having the best year um, of it all, and you also have you know Luis Madero down there in. Um, double a and jesus castillo who is a top 30 guy who i think they moved to the bullpen i'm still trying to figure it out he's only been pitching one inning out of the bullpen he's been the, the angels have been doing yeah. some crazy stuff in the system well what, um, what, what, single what i was really getting to though was the starting pitching like i want to know if you're concerned about that i yeah. i know we have some position guys who can come there make an impact we have some relievers in the system right now but do you see in terms of starting pitching, does that concern you that once we get away from Berea, those, those three guys who've been up this year, there's a bit of a gap there? I, I'm I'm really not. You know, I think, like I said, I think they're really the game plan is kind of centered around what the what the Cubs did um, a couple years ago, and I, I think that they're going to go out and get pitching. They went and got you know Otani. They still have Heaney. Um, they're set up well depth wise too. I mean, I don't know if. Jaime Berea is ever going to really be that the guy that they think they are, but I, I'm I'm really not that worried, you know, at, at really at all. The, the depth is going to be there, um, starting pitching wise, and they've done a good. Billy's done a great job with finding depth pieces that have come up and done really well. Like you mentioned, I mean Cesar Pueo, I mean came out of nowhere, um, and like I said, you know, you could get a guy like Kirby Yates or you know somebody like that who all of a sudden puts up one of the, some of the best numbers of his career. So you're even finding, you know, Hansel Robles. I mean, they've been finding guys like that. And again, those are bullpen guys. None of these guys have really been starters. But, I mean, J.C. Ramirez is right around the corner. The Velo hasn't been there yet. But um, though I, I saw he was throwing 90 to 92. It's not up to where he was before the Tommy John. But that velocity is always the last thing to come back. So, you know, I worry-wise, I'm, I'm really not that worried I am. I'm excited to see what what they have in store. Then worried, you know. So, just one more question here, and that's Jose Suarez. 
because I look at Juarez and Canning. Canning got it first. I think Canning's a keeper. We're going to see him. I, I believe he's going to get better and better. I, I like the kid. His movement on his fastballs just makes me smile. I got to be honest. So Suarez, though, is an interesting dude to me. He came up making some spot starts here, going back and forth between AAA and the major level. Where do you see his ceiling right now as a major leaguer? What can we expect from him in the future? I mean, ceiling-wise, I, I really think that he could possibly be a, a three-starter at best. In an Angels rotation with Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani uh, Griffin Canning, and uh, Andrew Heaney, I think you know he sits well at the four position. Um, and I would hope that nobody gets injured enough where they really have to move him you know, anywhere near you know, the, a two-spot or something like that. Um, though, I mean, the, what is a what is a rotation anymore with the way that the Angels are playing this? <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it, it's um, yeah, you know, he, he could definitely be you know a, a three starter on as an, in the Angels rotation. But I think he fits well in the four, maybe even a five spot if they go out and get like we just were talking about that true ace. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely you know a great a great piece to have. And who knows, you know, like I not saying that it will happen, and not saying that I've heard anything. But uh, you, you never know. He, they could find a good trade partner and go get Matthew Boyd. And, you know, Jose Suarez might not be an angel come, you know, two weeks from now. So you, wow. you just never know. <laughs> wow. Not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying I'm not saying <laughs> don't do not do not quote me on that. But I'm throwing out hypotheticals all over the place. <laughs> so you think in a lot of ways because of, he does have a place on a roster. He's at least somebody you consider as a trade partner for somebody for. Oh, absolutely. You know, if the right trade comes along, you know, whether the angels are in in it or are they're not in it, you know, they, it, I think that it, it, anybody could get moved unless your name, you know, is Mike Trout, Joe Adele, you know, Griffin Canning, you know, you know, the un- untouchables, there are untouchables, but you know, everybody else, you know, if, if it helps the angels get better right now and in the future, I, I don't see why not, you know, you could see a Cole Calhoun trade, but I feel like, I don't know if we want to get going on that part of the topic <laughs> of this I, podcast. I, well, I, it would be something to ask about close to the deadline especially if we see where this team is come July 25th or so. Exactly. I don't the ne- know. These these next I think I heard uh you know this morning that you know the next up until uh, I think July 31st the, the the Angels play what the Mariners three six times um the Astros three times and then Baltimore comes into town and um I believe what the Tigers come into town. So you never know by the end of that they could be two three games out of the first wild card spot. I mean and and they could be making a trade to go get somebody big that could help them down the stretch to, you know, you just you just never know. It's gonna be it's it's gonna be an interesting next you know, I think fourteen games. So that'll be that'll be the make and break of this season. I think. Well, the advantage for them right now is that both of those games are at home. So they have the Mariners this weekend. They have the Astros for four, and there's a lot of people thinking, okay, we want this one. They go right back to the Mariners. They have two as Dodgers, and you're right, they have the Orioles for four, and then they fill out the month with three at home to the Tigers. If the Angels are going to com- are going to contend, now's the time because come mid-August, we've been talking about this for the last month, come mid-August, it's the gauntlet time. The, from mid-August all the way to the end is nothing but contenders or young baseball teams who are developing quickly with the White Sox. It's a scary schedule come mid-August on. Absolutely, and you, ha- and you also have to remember there's only one trade deadline this year. You know they don't have the August 31st trade deadline or the non-waiver or the trade the waiver trade deadline. I forgot what exactly it was called, but yeah, you only have the July 31st trade deadline this year. So we will, uh, it, it, if anything happens, it will happen within the next what I think two three weeks. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So we want to talk about the August kind of gauntlet from mm-hmm. August 15th to 17th. 
the white sorry 18th the white Sox, and they've been much improved they have the rangers in the road astros in the road rangers at home again red Sox back in athletics back to the white Sox, indians rays yankees astros athletics you are hearing me correct then the astros to finish the year that is a gauntlet for a schedule, so the Angels have to do it now. They can't wait anymore. They can't fill around 500. If they're going to make their move, it's now. It's not later. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now, or, now we're not later. You said it, per. All right, Jared, can you let folks know where to find you on social media to get some information, even the little things like spin rate? <laughs> you can find me at Jared underscore Tim's, and then you can also read my work at Diamond Digest. All right, so I'm expecting you back come trade deadline to uh, sort through all this. There's a chance they do nothing. There's a chance we might be saying goodbye to Cole and Kaler guys. There's a chance that we do Lord knows what. So you up for that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just put an article out, I think, two weeks ago about what I thought the Angels should do, and I, it's uh, it's whatever uh, whatever happens, happens type of thing. You know, it's, uh, you never know. <laughs> and right now we don't, but we'll know in a couple yeah. weeks. Yes, we will. All right, Jay, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. You have a great one. You too. Thanks for having me on again. So some interesting thoughts there. He's really high in the farm system. Probably of all the people we've talked to, he's the most high in the farm system that that, that I've really talked to. So that's a good sign. At least somebody has a, has a really high view of it. Most experts I've talked to view it around, you know, like mid mid link, but improving and. He's really excited about where this team's going in terms of the farm system, and I, and I think I see where he's going with it. Also, I really want to give – I didn't think – I want to give credit to Billy Epler for the trade because he basically got two contributors for cash, two guys who will probably help his team out this year, and he didn't give up players to do it. So I'm good with that. I'm going with that. If you can get a couple guys out there for a little bit of cash and they can help your team now, I'm cool with it. I'm cool. All right, so moving on, we had the opportunity to sit down with Angels prospect Mike Stefanik. Really, really nice guy. Really enjoyed the conversation with him. He really impressed me with his attitude, his desire to be a hard worker and make an impact with this club down the line. Right now, he's in single A in Inland Empire. He was signed by the Angels as an undrafted free agent. He tells a story. So check it out. Here's our interview with Mike Stefanik. Angels prospect currently at Inland Empire. Here we go. All right, folks, I'm here with Mike Stefanik from the Angels. This is a first baseman slash second baseman slash shortstop. Pretty much everywhere in the infield he can play right now. He's down there at Inland Empire. Mike, how you doing? Doing well. You know, we're just at a road trip at Visalia right now, playing the Diamondbacks affiliate and dropped a tough one last night, but we'll get them today. We do appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. You're on a road trip now. It's hard for you to get away, and many fans haven't heard much about you. It's starting to see a little bit of word get out, but we've been watching you work your way through the Angel system in a year now. You've moved up several levels from, from rookie all the way up now to Inland Empire. What has helped you be successful early in your career? Um, you know, I think just really approaching the game every day like it's my last, you know, being an undrafted free agent, I don't, you know, necessarily have the, the leeway that a lot of guys may get. Um, so I just try to approach the game every day as if, you know, it could be my last game because in reality it really could. And uh, so I think that really just helps me stay locked in, especially over the course of a long season like this. And this is the first time that I've been experienced full season ball. So just approaching the game every day the same way is huge. 
Well, you just mentioned something that you're, it's the first time you've experienced full season ball. It does take a toll on your body. So how have you managed to keep going, get, you know, stay in shape, stay healthy? Um, I think hydration is the biggest key for me, honestly. Um, I, I went on the DL a little bit earlier this month with a uh, hamstring strain. And those things are just, you know, little nagging things. And it's tough to stay hydrated and think about drinking water. But I think that's the biggest thing. And eating right, obviously, when you're on the road. And with this minor league lifestyle, it's, it's tough. But you have to kind of force yourself to eat the right things. And, you know, lift the weights even when you're not feeling great. And, you know, just kind of even going through the motions in the weight room when you're not feeling like it is a big thing as well. Well, you're mentioning the whole minor league lifestyle. I just want to make it clear to listeners, don't forget, minor league isn't the same as major league. You guys aren't getting paid the massive big bucks yet, so you're really working hard to get where you want to be. Is that safe to say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we talked about the, the, the pay of the minor leagues, and, you know, it kind of is what it is. We, we, we knew what we signed up for, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all about chasing a dream for us, and especially for me, I'm, I'm stoked to be here, you know, undrafted and happy to be here and to keep playing ball for sure backing up a little bit here tell us about your life growing up and how you fell in love with this game because you have to be in love with the game to pursue a dream this hard so i'm from uh, boise idaho originally and uh you know i grew up loving sports watching baseball on tv but i really kind of fell in love with the game when we had a the boise hawks were an affiliate of the cubs at the time when i was growing up but you know i used to have season tickets to go watch those guys play and uh that's where I kind of just started falling in love with the game, you know, every summer going out to the ballpark and kind of hanging out there and getting to chat with the players from a young age and, you know, being the kid who's trying to get the foul balls all the time and, you know, just growing up around the game and then playing through high school and then college. It's just, there's it always something that I wanted to do. And, you know, I'm very thankful that the Angels have given me the opportunity to continue my career as a professional now. So you went on to Westmont in the Golden State Athletic Conference. You put together a pretty outstanding career. School records and career hits, runs, career doubles of 50. You also had 363 for your career. Did it surprise you a little bit that you went undrafted? I was definitely taken aback. You know, there was two years where I had some teams contact me and say, oh, hey, like, have your phone on, like, be ready. So I kind of felt, you know, disappointed with the fact that I didn't get drafted, but you know, kind of looking back on it now, I think going undrafted has kind of, you know, given me a chip on my shoulder a little bit and just, and as I mentioned before, just kind of forces me to play every day like it could be my last. And I think that's honestly a good thing in this sport. Well, and you did. You took advantage of it right away. And you did in a way that, to me, is a little old-fashioned. Like, back when I was in high school and I wanted something, I would send out a bunch of letters or send a bunch of correspondence to try and get someone to notice me. And you did something very similar. You took this old school approach and it worked. Can you explain how you pursued getting a shot with an MLB team? And also, I didn't want to know if any other club contacted you besides the Angels. Yeah, so um, after my, my college graduation and the draft, obviously, um, I was kind of just scratching my head and thinking about what to do. And I kind of had a breakdown a little bit. I was kind of in a bad place. And I drove home from Santa Barbara, California to back to Idaho. Just had a nice 14-hour drive to clear my head and just talked to my parents about, you know, what I should do next and what the plan was. And I decided to make like this, almost like a college prospect video. And it was kind of goofy at the time thinking that I'd send this to, you know, MLB organizations. But 
you know, I ended up sending about 110 emails to different, you know, coordinators of all 30 MLB organizations and got a, quite a few responses, but, it, but most of them were, Hey, like we just had the draft, you know, there's no at-bats for you, nothing like that. But, and the angels were even one of those teams. So I probably had messages back from, you know, 12, 13 MLB orders like, Hey, we no room for you. Sorry, man. And then one day I actually got back to Santa Barbara. I had a job interview the day of when I got a call. And I get home and I'm firing up the PlayStation, you know, getting ready to play some FIFA or something. And uh, I get a call from Chris Moses at the Angels, and he said, "How soon you, can you be out to Arizona? Like we'd like to sign you." And I, I said, "You know, tomorrow I can be out there. You know, whenever you guys need me." And um, yeah, so basically just sent out a bunch of emails and a video with a baseball resume. And luckily, the Angels responded and liked what they saw. Do they say to you what they specifically liked that got them the bite? You know, they didn't. I think, you know, the guy who originally got me signed was Mike Gallego, and he's now the, the third base coach for the big league team. But, you know, I think he just saw a guy that, you know, really wanted to, to be there and didn't, you know, complain about his situation and mope about the fact that he didn't get drafted, but really reached out and tried to make something happen. And I know for what, for whatever reason, he resonated with that and, I had a chance to talk with him shortly after I got to Arizona originally, and I just thanked him for, you know, taking a shot on me. I told him hopefully he wouldn't regret it. Well, actually, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Mike Gallego in his major league career was a consistent hard worker and overachiever pushed to do the best he could, and so if he saw something like that in you, I can see why he signed. Yeah, I mean, very, very thankful, and, you know, it was uh, – kind of a right place and the right time opportunity. I know there's a lot of guys who are overlooked and don't get that chance. So I'm, I'm hoping that, that I can ride this thing out and make the most of what I get in my career. Well, I'm, I'm kind of wondering now, though, well, who was your team growing up and then and now? What does it mean for you to become an Angel? Yeah, so growing up, we didn't really have, like I said, I went to the, the Cubs minor league affiliate, but I grew up and really started like watching baseball in 2004. And that was the big, you know, Red Sox coming back against the Yankees thing and the evil empire and whatnot. So I, I started out being a, being a Red Sox fan and uh, just growing up, just having a strong dislike for the Yankees. And it was really cool that an AL team signed me because I, at this point, like, I'm an Angels fan for life because, you know, out of 30 organizations, the Angels are the ones who give me a shot. And so my, my loyalties have definitely changed as of this point. Just a bit of a question with that, too. Things change all the time in baseball. It is a business, and you just said you'll be an Angels fan for life. I'm guessing no matter where you go from here, no matter what happens, whether, heaven forbid, a trade happens on the line, you get sent to an organization, or an injury happens, the memory of being signed by this team will always resonate with you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They, they were the ones that gave me a shot to get this whole thing kick-started, so... I mean, I think the Angels will always have a soft spot in my heart for sure. And, you know, just watching TV every day and seeing Otani and Trout do their thing. And it's just so much fun watching this team. And it's just, I don't know, thankful that they were giving me an opportunity. So looking at the now, though, you signed just, it's almost been a year now. You've moved through this system, like I said, from rookie to A, A plus Inland Empire. Overall, you've talked about your mindset on the field, though. What have you been doing daily to be successful in terms of your practice, your routines, all that stuff? Yeah, I think just developing a routine in this game is very key. You know, trying to get to the field at a similar time every day or get the workouts in that you need to. Um, Focusing on, you know, not necessarily 
trying to get hits, but trying to hit the ball hard and controlling the things you can control is really big because, I mean, over the course of the 140 games or whatever, however many we play here, um, that stuff will even out, you know. If you try to focus on, you know, just getting hits or whatnot, then you can kind of drive yourself crazy at points because this game doesn't always go your way, as we both know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, just kind of developing a routine and hitting the ball hard is what I really try to focus on every day. Well, you mentioned that just brings a whole different question. It wasn't This isn't what I had on my list, but I'm, I'm going to ask it anyways because – the sport is a sport where many times hitting, for example, you're considered a failure seven out of ten times you go to the play in most cases. This is a game where you are going to fail more than succeed in a lot of ways. So how do you keep your head up and pursue the prize day in and day out on the road in minor league baseball with all the things that go on around you and yet still stay focused solely on being major leaguer? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think you have to tell yourself that, you know, no one game or one at-bat or one error or one great play is going to define me, especially in the minor leagues. And uh, you have to tell yourself that it's all a body of work, you know. The the angels don't look at one bad game or one bad strikeout or whatever it is. And you just have to tell yourself, it's what I bring to the park every day, and I think consistency is a huge thing in this game. And if you can show up and have two or three good at-bats every day and play good defense and, you know, try to help your ball club win. That's really all you can ask for. And as I mentioned before, hitting the ball hard. And if you don't get hit, if you don't get a hit, you don't get a hit. And it is what it is, and you can't really control that. So, I mean, there's no really sense in worrying about what you can't control. And obviously sometimes I do get frustrated when things aren't going my way, but I just try to reassure myself that, A, I'm not defined by how I do on a baseball field, and B, it'll all even out over time if I keep my process and I keep working hard and I keep you know, focusing on the right thing. So I'm going to take that bait a little bit. You just said that you're not defined by what you do on the baseball field. So, Mike, what does define you? I think what defines me is just you know, how I am as a person. and I, you know, I really try to focus on treating people the right way and with respect all the time. And you know, I think that's more so of what defines me is what, you know, how I treat people. All right, so we're heading towards the final stretch here. And we have to do what we call a final five, even though it's a little bit of a lie because cool. I added something else afterwards that gives you a chance to, to really talk to Angels fans. So a final five plus one, all right? These final five all are, right, they are more fun-based here, okay? You ready? Okay. All right, here's the first one. What's your favorite food? Hamburgers. Like, just straight hamburger? You want a cheeseburger? You want... What do you want? I think I got to go, like, a barbecue bacon cheeseburger. That's really tough to beat. All right. I think, you know, anytime you can get a barbecue cheeseburger, I I probably am ordering it off the menu. (laughs) So you're going for the heart attack special. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So... Cheat meal, right? (laughs) It's got to be your cheat meal. It's got to be your cheat meal. So what's your favorite sports movie? Bull Durham. I think absolutely. That was actually written, not a, not a whole lot of people know this, and i got to give another shout-out to Westmont. That was written by a Westmont graduate, and uh, it's one of my favorite movies, and, it, and it's pretty dang accurate about the minor league you know, grind and whatever goes on down here. It's a bunch of fun. That's a good choice, by the way. I've heard that one a lot. What's your Thank favorite you. hobby? Shoot, I love playing golf in the offseason. Me and my buddies play golf all the time when I... You know, trying to relax and just get out and enjoy the outside and not have to worry about going to the field. This is kind of a, a follow-up to that. This is, this is coming from a person who does not golf. Okay, so you have to part yeah. my ignorance here. Being a baseball player, swinging a bat, swinging a golf club, yeah. does swinging a golf club at all mess with your swing? 
you know, and my buddy Justin Jones, who's in Burlington right now, and I kind of played a lot of golf for spring training. And we kind of, we, we kind of tell this to everybody who asks, but um, we kind of like to think of it that we have two different swings, like a baseball swing and a golf swing. And in golf, you're swinging so hard down at the ball. And in baseball, you're, it's completely opposite. You're swinging up. So I try to tell myself I, I have two different swings so it doesn't get in my head that I am screwing up my swing. Gotcha. I was just honest, ignorant curiosity there because I'm not a golfer. Yeah. <laughs> so no, for sure. And here's here's question number four. I don't know if you can even answer this because Lord knows what happens in a clubhouse. But what is your funniest memory since joining the Angels organization? Funniest memory. Oh man. I I just think just the, the honest like banter and pranks that are played in the clubhouse. I don't think I can go into you know too much excruciating detail, but. You know, everybody, especially here in IE and in Bola, where I was to start the season, it's just like everybody is, has a great attitude and loves on one another. There's nobody who you feel like is, you know, just out to get theirs. It's always like, you know, how are you doing today? Like, that kind of thing. And then there's a lot of funny jokes that are played in the, the clubhouse, but I don't think I can go into that too heavy. Well, that's totally understandable. What goes on in clubhouse? Stays in the clubhouse until you guys are ready to talk about it one day. Absolutely, you're, you're yeah. All right, here's, here's the last of this, of this stretch of five here. If you could play for any manager in baseball history, anyone, who would it be okay. and why? Um, shoot. This is usually our toughest question. Yeah. Um, I'd have to go with Tommy Lasorda. I've heard some pretty crazy stories about him, and I would just love to see if, if they're true. Just kind of that old school, you know, hard-nosed baseball mentality and just, uh, you know, kind of getting those crazy stories that you hear about sometimes. I think, I think I'd have to go with him. It's amazing he still makes it at the Dodger games. It's, it's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> he's like 90. Or, he's in his 90s. I don't remember what the exact year was, but he's, he's up there, and the guy is still going. All right, so this is your chance to talk to Angels fans directly, the ones who are just getting a chance to meet you now. What do you want Angels fans to remember about you as you work your way through the system? Um, I, I just want to be known for being, you know, a hard, hard-nosed player who just goes out and competes every day. I'm not the type of guy who's going to complain or, you know, maybe be the flashiest guy. I'm not going to hit a lot of home runs, but, you know, I just want to be known for the guy who approaches the game every day the same way and kind of a hard-nosed, tough, grinded-out player, kind of like a throwback a little bit. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, it makes perfect sense because there's a need in the game. I think we, we glamorize the home run hitters and the, the flashy stars, and we forget how important it is to have the guys who are grinders, the ones who will, who will lay down the bunt or who will yeah. you know, be, get uncomfortable doing hit and run or move positions. Like, How many times have we seen the Angels move David Fletcher around this year? Or yeah, exactly. And so those are mm-hmm. those guys in so many ways are just as valuable as, as a Mike Trout on a team level. Now individually it's a different story, but on a team level, which is yeah. how you win your series. So you need those players and it's important that people understand the whole root of the base of the game itself. You cannot survive in baseball without the people who are willing to do whatever it takes to succeed. Absolutely. And I think you know, you talked about David Fletcher a lot and I think that's you know, that's kind of if I had to give myself a player comp on the Angels, that's kind of who I would, you know, select as a guy who doesn't strike out a whole lot, makes good contact, you know, runs the bases hard, plays good defense wherever he's put and you know, that's exactly the kind of player I wanna be and, you know, hopefully someday that'll play out at a major league level. Right now you're in Inland Empire, so Angels fans 
if you want your kids to see Mike play, you're you're not too far away from the ballpark. Go out there and check out Inland Empire. They got a lot of young players right now who will one day wear the uniform. So go see Mike play, see the rest of the team play, and support him. Mike, can you tell people where they can find you on social media and follow your journey? Yeah, so Instagram and Twitter at MJ Steffi, S-T-E-F-I. And, yeah, I'm on there, you know, a decent amount. And, uh, yeah, feel free to follow me and see what's going on. All right, Mike, we want to just thank you again. You took some time today to talk with us, and I know how busy it is. It is a grind, like you said. And I hope we can talk again after the season and kind of do a a catch-up. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks. So, again, I really like Mike Stefanik. I like his attitude towards the entire process of getting to the major level. He's got a great story. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I hope you enjoyed the entire show to t- talk with Jared Timms and getting John's experience about the no-hitter on Friday night. I I hope you've enjoyed all of it. I know this was a special night for me. Even if it makes us re-record half the podcast, <laughs> it was a wonderful reason to do it. In the meantime, though, it is time for us to go. We'll try and get you something out this week. If not, I apologize. We'll see you next Sunday. It's a little bit of a hiatus. Hopefully, John will be out there to catch a couple of games in the meantime this week against the Astros. And, uh, John, any final thoughts Tuesday. for Tuesday. Tuesday. Otani bobblehead Tuesday. night. I'm there Tuesday. you'll be there. Otani bobblehead night. But the question is, will you make any more against those hated Astros? Uh... Uh, we'll see. We'll yes, see. I can't, I can't go tonight because I'm, I'm going to see Sir Paul McCartney tonight. But, uh, um, but I'll definitely be there Tuesday and tomorrow. I don't know. We got to play. We got to play it by ear because I got another commitment. But I could. Uh, you never know. You never know. Well, let me make this appeal, folks. Uh, if you are a, a person who follows the team, loves his team, what we've witnessed the last couple of weeks is this, this is the group of good, high character guys, and they have their holes. The team has its holes. But they are deserving of you being there and watching the game. They're proving that. So if you can, I'm not telling you to because you're all grown adults. If you can and you want to and you're available, go catch a game this week. Go catch two games. Go support this team. They're going to need it. They deserve it. And I hope I above, above and beyond anything that this team continues to surprise all of us. All right, Derek, you, you never know. When you might see what some would call a miracle. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last since evidence of that. You yes. never know. You exactly. never know. All right. It is time for us to go. If you're interested in sponsoring us, we'd really appreciate the opportunity to work with you. Reach out to us at talkinghales.gmail.com if you like what we're doing and you want to help keep the lights on here because we desperately need to do that. You can also leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We'll get right back to you. Again, I'm off next week because of a seminar teaching in New York City. So if we can get content out, we will. If not, we'll see you Sunday. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos or search for our page on Facebook at, well, at Facebook.com forward slash, uh, I don't know, look for Talking Halos. Just search for it. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo and John Crane at Jace Crane John. Don't forget some Spreaker. On Spotify, Apple Music, we're pretty much everywhere now. So, for John, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy, have a great week, we'll be back with you soon, and we're out of here. NBA is
type of drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.